Hello and most sincere welcome. You are listening to Voices for the Poor podcast. Thanks for taking the time to check the podcast out. We really appreciate it. I don't know why we keep saying we, it's just me, but nonetheless, I appreciate it. So today on the podcast, we have part four of our speaker series on Catholic social teachings. Today, we had Sister Mercy Briola presenting. And to give a little lead-in to Sister Mercy's talk, a little background. Sister Mercy Briola entered the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration in 2014 and professed perpetual vows in August of 2022. She heard God's call through an invitation from her Dominican chaplain and through contemplating the love of God during holy hours of adoration. She was attracted by the passionate nature of Francis of Assisi and a life lived in entire dedication to the adoration of God. She has a great devotion to the divine mercy, as her name suggests, and is especially inspired by the lives of St. John Paul II and St. Maximilian Kolbe, both who embodied the merciful heart of the Good Shepherd. As a sister, she has earned a master's in theology from Franciscan University in Steubenville and a master's in secondary mathematics education from Ball State University. She is completing her fourth year at Marion High School, where she teaches freshman and senior mathematics. For her presentation, Sister Mercy dives right in by defining what poverty is and by defining what poverty looks like in our community. She goes on to describe our preferential option for the poor as Catholics and our responsibility to those in need, that our faith requires action, but that we should never underestimate the power of prayer. So without any further ado, Sister Mercy Briola. So, as a teacher, I always have to have a lesson plan, so here's our agenda for the day. Um, This morning, I'd like to first give an overview of the church's preferential option for the poor, consider the types of poverty that we find within our very own nation, trace the application of this option for the poor through the lives of the saints, and conclude with a few practical ways that we can use this option to serve the poor in our own lives. So first, what is poverty, and what does it mean to have a preferential option for the poor? Let's start with a definition. Poverty refers to the state or condition in which people or communities lack the essentials for a minimum standard of living. I'm going to apply this standard definition to other types of poverty a bit later, Um, so kind of hang on to that. I'll read it one more time. Poverty refers to the state or condition in which people or communities lack the essentials for a minimum standard of living. As followers of Christ, we are challenged to make a preferential option for those who live in poverty, namely, to help make up for those essentials that are lacking in the lives of the poor. We can do this in many ways. For example, we can be called to create conditions for marginalized voices to be heard, to defend the defenseless, and to assess lifestyles, policies, and social institutions in terms of their impact on the poor. I once heard a story that illustrates this option very well. When tasked with answering the difficult question of which of her children she loved the most, a mother answered, well, I guess the one who is most in need of my love at the given moment. Wise choice. The church, as our mother, calls us to love all of our neighbors, but especially those most in need. The option for the poor calls us to strengthen the whole community by assisting those who are most vulnerable. The same mindset is employed in the area of emergency medicine. 
The patient that comes into the emergency department that is most in need is the one who requires the attention of the doctors and the nurses the most. Without this principle, injustice would reign, since many people would die, due to the fact that other, more healthy patients were treated before them. There is a true urgency placed on us to respond to those who most need our help and care. In his encyclical, Santissimus Annus, St. John Paul II says, quote, Love for others, and in the first place love for the poor, in whom the Church sees Christ himself, is made concrete in the promotion of justice, end quote. We see the Pope connecting this option for the poor with the other themes of justice and solidarity. One incentive behind this option for the poor is the promotion of justice in our society. According to the Catechism, justice is the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. We are called to promote justice in all of our relationships, first with God through the practice of religion, secondly with our neighbors through charitable outreach to ensure that their human needs are met. In their document, Economic Justice for All, the United States Catholic Bishops states that all people have a right to life and to secure the basic necessities of life, such as food, clothing, shelter, education, health care, safe environment, and economic security. I think that these needs help us to define exactly who the poor are in our society. If we apply the concept of poverty as a lack of something, we can define the poor as someone who lacks the right to life, food, clothing, shelter, education, health care, a safe environment, or economic security. As followers of Christ, we are called first to recognize the people that are in need, and secondly to respond to that need in solidarity with the poor. The notion of the mystical body of Christ comes into play here. Our faith teaches us that every person is a unique creation of God, and that every baptized person is a child of God. Just as we would willingly reach out to help our own natural family, we are called to help our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the encyclical Solicitudo Re Socialis, St. John Paul II tells us, quote, Solidarity, then, is not a feeling of vague compassion or shallow distress at the misfortunes of so many, both near and far. On the contrary, it is a firm and persevering determination to commit oneself to the common good, that is to say, to the good of all and of each individual, because we are all really responsible for all, end quote. We have already stated solidarity as a driving force, but what other motivations drive this preferential option for the poor? According to the Catechism, the Church's love for the poor is a part of her constant tradition. This love is inspired by the Gospel of the, Be of the Beatitudes, of the poverty of Jesus, and of his concern for the poor. Love for the poor is even one of the motives of working so as to be able to give to those in need. We see here three reasons for wanting to help the poor. The Gospel of the Beatitudes refers to the narrative in chapter 5 of St. Matthew's Gospel. Jesus promises that those who are poor will inherit the kingdom of God. He also confirms that those who show mercy to others will themselves be shown mercy. The preferential option for the poor can be summarized by showing mercy to those most in need. The second reason we should help others is Jesus' own uh, identification with poverty. In God's mysterious plan, 
Jesus was born into a poor family and lived true material poverty throughout his whole earthly life. Finally, let's consider God's own precedent in this regard. God was the first to reach out preferentially and help those in need. Already from the beginning of the Bible, we see God reaching out to help and welcome the lowly. God taught Israel to trust that he would provide for them in their neediness. During the long journey to the Promised Land, God made up for the lack of food and water by raining down manna from heaven, making quail appear in the camp, and by producing water from a rock. In fact, God's covenant with Israel was dependent on the way the community treated the poor and unprotected, the widow, the orphan, and the stranger. Throughout Israel's history and in the New Testament, the poor are agents of God's transforming power. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus proclaims that he has been anointed to bring good news to the poor. We see this played out many times as Jesus encounters the hemorrhaging woman, the blind man, the leper, and the parables of the Good Samaritan and the prodigal son. Jesus makes up for all of their lack. He restores the woman's health, gives sight to the blind man, cleanses the leper's skin, heals the physical wounds of the man in Samaria, and reconciles the prodigal by healing his sins. Finally, in the last judgment, we are told that we will be judged according to how we respond to the hungry, the thirsty, the prisoner, and the stranger. Jesus teaches us that works of mercy need to be an integral part of our lives as disciples. Ultimately, they are the criterion on which we will each be judged. Okay, so now that we understand a little bit more what the preferential option is, we may ask, who are these people we are called to help? I'd now like to look at who may qualify as poor in our society. I want to expand my former definition of material poverty to include cultural, intellectual, and spiritual poverty. Cultural poverty describes a lack of unity in society. This is very apparent in our nation right now, even more so as we gear up for our upcoming presidential election next year. Our country is divided among many lines, Republican versus Democrat, Christian versus non-Christian, immigrant versus citizen. The consequences of this growing poverty in our nation include a great divide among the classes, increased individualism, and a lack of patriotism. Another type of poverty that we see in our nation is intellectual poverty. First, there are those who do not have access to education, such as immigrants and the materially poor. These groups may lack the citizenship necessary for education, or they may find themselves in a situation where it's more beneficial for children to start working and earning an income than to go to school. I'd also like to consider those who are given the opportunity to attend school, but simply do not put forth the effort to receive an education. I'm thinking particularly of my own students who simply do nothing while attending school each day. For whatever reason, they do not value an education, and so they simply refuse to turn in any assignments and do not earn the required credits to pass their classes. It's very difficult to watch happen day in and day out. I try my best to motivate these students, but they rarely respond to my efforts. Intellectual poverty has many causes, some of which are family situations, but very often this poverty follows from an even greater one, which we will consider now, spiritual poverty. The most apparent poverty in our nation today is spiritual poverty. St. Mother Teresa tells us, quote, 
On certain continents, poverty is more spiritual than material, a poverty that consists of loneliness, discouragement, and the lack of meaning in life. Our secular culture offers us many distractions to religion, which has caused many to lose their faith. Many people have forgotten the gospel, and some have never heard it at all. The church's preferential option extends to these people in need of hope and the gospel message. We are called to nourish them with truth, just as we would nourish the materially poor with bread. In his book, The Preferential Option for the Poor, R. R. Reno writes, quote, A Christian who hopes to follow the teachings of Jesus needs to reckon with a singular fact about American poverty. Its deepest and most debilitating deficits are moral, not financial. The most serious deprivations are cultural, not economic. Many people living at the bottom of American society have cell phones, flat-screen TVs, and some of the other goodies of consumer culture, but their lives are a mess, end quote. As Christians, we are called to help these people clean up their messy lives through consistent loving concern. Pope Francis frequently suggests accompaniment as a path of evangelization. Accompaniment is the art, the art of walking with someone on the journey of life. As sisters, we are blessed to have a mentor assigned to accompany us during our years of temporary vows. Our mentor sisters frequently meet with us to discuss challenges and blessings in our community life and in our ministry. In a similar fashion, we are called to accompany the poor by walking with them and letting them know that someone cares about their situation and is able to share the burden, whether spiritual, emotional, or physical. The cohesiveness of the Catholic faith can be seen here. We always loop back to the dignity of the human person. One of the most important beliefs that we hold as Catholics is that each person is made in the image of God and therefore should be treated with dignity. At its core, poverty distorts this dignity. Humans have many needs in order to thrive in life. Since humans are spirit and body, we have both spiritual and physical needs. As Catholics, we need to treat each person as an integral whole, not to separate the physical from the spiritual needs. Of course, we all need basic material necessities, but above all, we need to know that we are loved. There is a true hierarchy of needs. Humans must have their material needs met before they can even acknowledge the spiritual needs. Just as my students are unable to focus during our math lessons if something bad is going on in their family life, there is an innate need to know that we are safe before we can focus on anything else, such as learning or performing at our job. As we go out to serve the poor, we need to ensure that our help is complete. I am reminded of St. James' admonition in his letter. Quote, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. End quote. Certainly, we should be assisting the poor by providing necessary material goods, but from a Catholic viewpoint, this is not enough. For help to be complete, we must also provide for the spiritual needs of those we serve. People do need food and shelter, but they also need love and conversion of heart. We see here that serving the poor becomes an opportunity for evangelization, that is, sharing the good news of Jesus with others. 
Once the poor have their material needs met, then they can focus on the higher things of life, such as the spiritual things. It might seem daunting to begin serving the poor in this way, but thankfully there are many who have gone before us whose example we can follow. The Church provides us with many examples of holy men and women who practice this option for the poor par excellence, and thus enacted change in their society by sharing the love of Christ with their neighbors in need. Of course, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta immediately comes to mind when thinking about serving the poor. She was renowned for her ministry to the poorest of the poor. She truly embodies this preferential option. Inspired by her great love of Jesus, she sought out the wounded and those who were dying in the streets of Calcutta. First, she tended to their physical and psychological wounds, made sure they had food, water, a bed, and a shelter where they could receive care for their wounds and their souls. I have heard it said that she would ask the dying patients, Do you want to be happy? And if they said yes, she would have them baptized. She is a perfect model for us of serving the hierarchy of needs, physical first, followed by spiritual. Now, certainly I would be remiss if I failed to mention our founder, St. Francis, in a talk that centers on poverty. Father Francis was known historically as the Pavarello, or in Italian, the little poor man. He was known for his service to the most abandoned by society, especially his work among the lepers, and for his personal embrace of evangelical poverty. Now, just to be clear, evangelical poverty is very different from the other types of poverty that we have been discussing. Evangelical poverty is a state of life that is voluntarily chosen by the individual, and the point is to draw closer to Jesus. In contrast, material poverty is a condition that is imposed on those who lack the necessities of life. It is not freely chosen under most circumstances. St. Francis understood the logic of poverty. For Francis, to be poor was to be like Jesus. St. Francis loved Jesus so much that he wanted to be the poorest in order to be the closest to Jesus. He found evangelical poverty quite freeing. He was no longer burdened with excessive material possessions, and the practice of poverty led him to purity of heart and a greater trust and surrender to divine providence. As we go forth to serve the poor, we can try to live simple lives like St. Francis to make our service even more credible. Now I realize that my first two saint examples were both consecrated religious, um, but I want you to know that there are also many holy lay, lay men and women that also serve the poor. Blessed Carlo Acutis was a typical teenager in many ways. He loved video games, spending time with friends, hiking, and loved his animals, including his dogs. However, Carlo was also an extraordinary teen in many other ways. He spent much time daily before the Blessed Sacrament. He attended daily Mass and found great joy in serving the poor. He was raised in a very wealthy family, so he had the means to offer financial and other support to the poor. Carlo helped the material poor by giving away his entire monthly allowance when passing homeless people on his walk to school. He also assisted the culturally poor at his school. He would invite his classmates who were going through family difficulties, such as the divorce of their parents, over to his house to hang out and play video games to get their mind off of their suffering. Most of all, Carlo served the spiritually poor. He had such a deep love for Jesus and the Eucharist that right after his first Holy Communion, he decided to attend Mass as much as possible, even daily. 
he invited his mother to go to daily mass with him. During interviews for her son's beatification, Carlo's mother confessed that before her son invited her to go to Mass, she had only attended probably about two Masses in her life, her First Holy Communion and her wedding. She had not practiced her faith for many years, but her son's enthusiasm struck her, and so she went to confession and began attending daily Mass with him. Finally, we have another young Italian saint that also lived in the 20th century, Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. He was known for his perpetual joy and for his outreach to the poor. He also had a great devotion to Jesus' presence in the Blessed Sacrament and would spend long times totally consumed by prayer in the chapel. Bishop Barron said, quote, The long nights that Pier Giorgio spent on his knees in front of the Blessed Sacrament had something to do with the long day spent in service of the poor. End quote. Here is the integration that we have hinted at throughout the talk. God wants us to be totally integrated individuals, to have a singular focus in life, to live like Jesus. It is a daunting task, but God provides us the strength to serve the most vulnerable through our relationship with Him, nourished by prayer and frequent reception of the Holy Eucharist. Blessed Pier Giorgio sums it up perfectly when he says, quote, Jesus comes to me every morning in communion, and I return the visit by going to serve the poor, end quote. We are also called to serve from the strength of our relationship with God. Okay, so that's great, great, great and all about the saints, but you might be wondering, what does this have to do with me? Well, I'd like to conclude with ways that you as individuals or as a St. Vincent de Paul Society can help those most in need. Let's begin with some strategies for alleviating material poverty. First, you can donate to many wonderful organizations that assist the poor, such as Catholic Charities or Catholic Relief Services. Donations may take the form of money, supplies, time, or energy. In my native Pittsburgh, a local parish has a Red Door program where parishioners volunteer to serve the poor. The homeless know that they are always welcome at the Red Door. They can request clothing and meals from there. Local organizations such as Catholic schools and businesses donate money, food, and clothing to this program. I really like the visual of this red door. Um, a local artist painted the left side of the red door with the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the right side um, with the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. This proclaims that when we perform works of mercy, we are truly sharing the love of Christ with the world. There are many similar places right here where we can serve, such as Hope Ministries in South Bend, a homeless shelter that provides food and shelter to those in need. Another way to help alleviate material poverty is to assist mothers in need. Many young women find themselves in the state of an, un of an unwanted pregnancy and are desperate for support. We can assist them first by encouragement and by reminding them of the value of each human life. We can also provide food and shelter to help the mother carry her baby to full term in a safe place. And we can provide all the many material necessities that the newborn would need. We could also educate the mother on options such as adoption and foster care if they are not able to care for their child long-term. Intellectual poverty calls us to respond to today's apathy in regards to education with encouragement and mentorship. I see a true lack of encouragement and confidence in so many of my high school students. I think they are just waiting for someone to notice them and to call them to something higher. We can help the young people in our lives by challenging them to live up to their potential and by mentoring them to grow in areas of weakness. 
Young people today are in desperate need of a mentor, someone to guide them and to offer a good example. One of my sisters who teaches here at St. Matthew's School in town recently invited a young married couple to teach her fifth graders about the sacrament of matrimony. She told me that the students were just amazed that this couple truly loved each other and would sacrifice for each other. Keep in mind, around 50% of all students who attend St. Matthew's Cathedral School come from single-parent homes. We have no idea how much of an impact we can have on others just by living our vocation with joy. The joy of the young married couple was so inspiring to the students who have never truly witnessed parents in love. Finally, probably the most important, we come to strategies for healing spiritual poverty. The most efficacious approach that we can employ to help those who are spiritually wounded is prayer. Spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament and interceding for those who come in contact with will ensure that our active ministry bears fruit. A life lived without God is the greatest deprivation of all. There are many ways that we can personally reach out to invite those who have fallen away from the faith. We can send a card or a letter and tell the person that we love them, and because of our love for them, we want what is best for them, which is a life lived with and for God. We can offer to help them go back to confession and invite them to attend Mass with our family. We can also offer prayers and sacrifices for the conversion of those who have drifted away from God. Never underestimate the power of prayer. We can think of St. Monica's perseverance in prayer that converted her son Augustine from a lustful rebel to a holy bishop. I had the opportunity um, to have an experience similar to this when my grandma was lying on her deathbed a few years ago. My dad's mom was a baptized Christian, but she never really practiced any faith. My dad grew up without attending religious services, although he was baptized as well. My grandma never really spoke about religion, so imagine her surprise when I told her that I wanted to give my entire life to God. She was shocked and a bit disappointed that I would be moving away to join the convent and she would not see me very often anymore. However, on her deathbed, she was saying our goodbyes to all three of us grandchildren, and um, I was shocked. She was kind of saying goodbyes to each of us, and she looked at me and said, you know, you just have to follow your calling. I was shocked that she said that and thrilled to have her blessing on my vocation. A few days later, her condition um, drastically worsened, and she was unable to speak clearly anymore. I led the Divine Mercy Chaplet for my grandma and begged God to have mercy on her soul. As I prayed, I held Granny's hand in one of my hands and my rosary in the other. As we were finishing the Divine Mercy Chaplet, my grandma mumbled something, so I asked her to repeat it, and she said very clearly, Give me your beads. I said, Granny, you want my rosary? Which, you know, to my knowledge, she never prayed in her life. She said, Yes, I want your beads. I said, Okay, so... I joyfully wrapped my rosary around her hand, and she died peacefully that night, still clutching my rosary. So we just never know um, how much prayer uh, can do, how much God can do with our prayer. So as we go forth and practice this preferential option, may we seek the lost, bind up their wounds, encourage them in their difficulties, but most of all, share the love of Christ with them. Thank you. And there you have it. That was Sister Mercy Briola from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration and Marian High School. First off, I want to thank Sister Mercy for coming and speaking to us. We really appreciate her taking the time 
And you know what else? I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to what Sister Mercy had to say. I'm sure that you found it as enriching and informative as we all did that were there. This was part four of the five-part lecture series, which means that the next episode is going to be our final speaker. In the meantime, if you could like and subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend, or give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify, it makes a big difference here in the early days of podcast genesis, I guess you could call that. And I also just want to give a quick shout out to the individuals listening in Springfield and Chicago, Illinois. How's it going? Thanks for listening. And again, like always, at Voices for the Poor, we hope that you feel inspired and informed about the issues of poverty. We hope that these conversations can help generate some agency. And remember, it just starts small, tiny little things, and they start to build upon each other. So in between waiting for the next episode, if you see a piece of litter or someone who needs help, let's make the time to be a voice for the poor. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, peace. Peace.